The first reading is from Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the, recomp- with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf, un- deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a, like a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not pass over it and fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. And to Zion was singing, everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow, and singing shall flee away. Today's second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying in the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn 
in with unquestionable fire, unquestionable, unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The word of the Lord. I'd like to start off by apologizing. Um, I know that this is Advent, and every year during Advent, we just get up here and, well, we don't say very celebratory things. I don't know, it's something about this season of expectation and joy that really brings out the darkness in us. I don't know what it's, uh, it's hard to move, if, if everybody is singing Christmas carols. We're the kind of people that, I don't know, starts to not want to sing Christmas carols. If you have several radio stations completely dedicated to Christmas music, it's time to bring out the old Fugazi records. I don't know what that... So I was, I'm sorry. Okay, that's all I'm saying. I'm sorry. This is a time of anticipation, of the celebration of the birth of the Messiah. God entering in history and walking with us. Well, you know, once the Christ child learns to walk. Yeah, that's what it should be about. It should be about, uh, about babies and new life. Children. Safe, happy, unthreatened children about hope and light. You know, we hear the passages talk about light entering in the world and all things being made right and streams in the desert and... Do you read the newspaper? Do you listen to the radio? It doesn't match up. These things we say during Advent, the things that we, that we're not personally promising them. We're reading this ancient holy text that promises that these things are coming. So when you listen to the radio... And it doesn't sound like hope. And it doesn't sound like light. It doesn't match up. Well, I guess I don't need to say that. That's not my fault. I think you probably know that. Yeah. Several years ago, I don't know how long ago. It was a long time ago. But we were in the heart of two um, really horrible wars. I don't know if you remember that. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was really bad. And we were joining with other people, joining our voices to try and get the president at that point. This was a long time. He was a white president. It was a long time ago. Um, we were trying to just uh, join these other voices and say, just stop the war, you know. And we kind of came up with this, this idea. We talked for a whole year about this term we came up, confessional resistance. 
And that's if you ever wondered why we have these crazy peace star flags that we put up every week and how normally we cover up the American flag and the church flag with these peace star flags. They're really they're our confessional resistance flags. They mean something to us. They say that we acknowledge our part in the violence that is part of our culture. We acknowledge that we are complicit, but we also want to say that we, have, we want to resist it. We don't want to be part of the system that perpetuates violence in other countries, in wars, in uh, schools. Um, so confessional resistance is this term we came up with. We want to be able to say that yeah, we, we want to resist this thing, this darkness. And um, I don't know. We want to pay attention. We want to pay attention and we want to sort of like confess that we know that what we read in the newspapers does not match up with what we read in our Bible. It doesn't make sense to say that the lion will lay down with the lamb and that they will beat their plowshares into swords when that is not happening. When we pay attention to the world, we pay attention to the text that we've been reading, they just do not match up. The lion is eating a new lamb every day. And sure, they beat their swords into plowshares, but then they're killing people with their plowshares. The light. Preach about the light. It's Advent. Christmas is 10 days away. Okay. When we came up with this term, confessional resistance, we wanted to sort of uh, signify that we are complicit in the violence that is in our culture, but we also wanted to say that we want to try and resist it. But there's something else we wanted to signify when we talked about confessional resistance, when we fly that peace star flag. There's something else that we are confessing. We are confessing that our allegiance is not to any government. Our allegiance is not to any set of political principles. Our allegiance is not to any economic system. Our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds so um, Christian. I know, it sounds very Christian, and uh, you know what? Maybe it is. Um, But for us, the most significant thing we really can confess, even though we confess that we could not confess it if it had not already been confessed for us by Jesus Christ, is confess our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And I hope you know that when I confess my allegiance, it's not to any government or political principle or set of ideals, but it is to Jesus Christ. And I hope you realize that I also confess that I live my life like most of my allegiances are to almost everything else than Jesus Christ. I hope I'm not making you uncomfortable by keep saying Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You know, you know, it's like one of those things, sometimes if you just say something over and over again, it can kind of normalize it and not make it seem as weird. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus. That doesn't normalize it. It makes it seem weirder. No matter how many times I say it, it's just weird. Why is it? We're in a Christian. Jesus, Jesus, I pledge myself to Jesus Christ. I guess it's not a normal thing, you know? And um, I guess that's what's important about it for me. When I say Jesus Christ, I am talking about, I'll just come right out and say it, Christianity. Christianity, you know, the way, this thing of ours, the gospel, the story, the story that begins with the birth of a baby and grows from there and through there, the story, this story, as opposed to another story. Because, you know, there are other stories. There's two different stories. I know the city is filled with thousand stories, and there are 10,000 names of God, but for my purposes today, I'm going to say that there are two stories. There is this story... There's the story of power and the story of powerlessness. There's the story of triumph and the story of willing defeat. The story of winning and the story of laying down one's life for one friend. The story of the world and the story of the word. The story of the world goes like this. Me and my people, like me, are under threat by bad people who are different. And their difference is primarily that they are bad because we are good. But we know that we are strong, and we would never let those evil robots win. So we fight the bad people, and we triumph. And in the end, always we win, because we are strong, and we are right. And then there's the story of the Word. And the story of the Word starts out like the story of the world. Me and my people, like me, are under threat from an enemy that is bad and different from us. But we know that we are strong because we are taking lots of vitamins. But we go to fight the bad enemy, and the bad enemy doesn't fight back. That's the difference. We go to fight the bad enemy, and the bad enemy does not fight back. The bad enemy lets us kill him. And we kill him. We kill him good. We kill him bloody. We kill him violent. Horrendously kill him. We kill him. When the fog of war lifts and we are left with the carnage of our righteous power, left looking, we are, left looking at the blood-flecked faces of our fellows and fill the sickly blood in the corners of our mouths with our tongue, we look at the beaten, bloody body and we find out who we are. That dead body teaches us who we are. And then that body loves us and asks us to join him. Did I lose the Christmas strain somewhere? I'm not just talking about war. I'm not just talking about politics. I'm not just talking about global capital. I'm talking about the way we have relationships, the way we're going to talk to our parents and our brothers and sisters when we sit down at Christmas dinner, 
There are two different stories. And you know what? I'm just going to come right out and say it. It matters which one you believe. It matters which story you live by. Because they are very different stories. And when you lay one down on top of the other, they do not match up. The story we rehearse every year, the story we find in our holy book, is the story of a relationship that is the definition of love that doesn't look like the story we live, that doesn't feel like our definition of love. And how could it? Do we have the mind of God? Do we know the expansive love of God? That is the story of the word. And let me speak of the world. And I use the world in the sense that the gospel writer of John uses it. He doesn't mean the world like the earth, like the physical realm, the flesh, the body. What John means are the values the story that fuels the way people live their lives. Sometimes I call it culture. And that is a very different story to live by than the story of the gospel. It is a violent and truly hateful story. The culture story hates. It hates you. It tells you that you're fat and ugly and weak and poor and stupid and so uncool. Or I guess maybe it tells you that you're smart. Maybe smart's the new stupid. It tells you that fast matters and big matters and sameness matters. It tells you unity is desirable. You want to stand united, walk in unity with the lockstep boys who are mauling America, the Christmas time mauling. America has been mauled. The church has been mauled. We have been mauled by the maw of this culture that hates us, this culture that hates freedom. It's the kind of unity that needs an enemy, that fosters violence, that tells us that they are a threat and we have a right to defend ourselves. Jesus came and spoke to the culture, and Jesus gave us the other story, the story of the anti-American dream. The story goes like this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus comes into human culture speaking the other story, and in that story, revealing to us who we are, and who God is, and that light shining in the darkness, and the light that shines in the darkness, it reveals who we are, and it redeems us. When Jesus reveals to us the other story, the revelation is redemptive. The revelation is redemptive. Jesus' mission was redemptive because he revealed God. Real life to be truly alive consists in coming to know God through this revelation and living in response to the knowledge of this revelation. That is ultimately what it means to believe, to have life. What does it mean to not have life, the living dead? Decisions are made for you, the living dead. You are offered everything, but it's all the same thing. You cannot see you cannot see. You cannot see in the darkness. Someone puts something in your hands and tells you to buy it, so you do. You walk around in the darkness bumping into things. The revelation is redemptive. 
the revelation is redemptive and the revolution will not be commodified. When they tell you the revolution is at hand on the TV, that's a revolution you know the opposite is true. So smile, smile, and hold hands with the person next to you. Love the person next to you. You've been redeemed. No matter what you read in the newspaper, no matter what you hear on the radio, no matter how true those reports are, you're free to love each other. You're free to act in love. You're free to build and make love. Build and make love. Create and ask questions. Ask questions about everything. Ask, is this thing that we are doing about love? Is this way that we're going about love? Is this thing we're all supposedly caring about, is it about love? Ask, which story is this? There is a dark story, and there is a story that is about the light that comes into the world, the light that shines in the darkness. There are two stories, and you know what? It matters which story you believe in. It matters which story you pledge your allegiance to. It matters which story you confess. One offers a cynical promise of a better, safer, thinner, more attractive, wealthier you at the expense of the enemy. And the other offers life, real life, where you are all right being you right now, just as you are. You're loved, and you can love, and this love can change the world. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf, uns deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy.